How are we doing, everyone? This is episode three of Talking to Mod. Yes, I found three guests who want to come and chat to me on this podcast. Well, not only that, I've probably got another 20 names lined up, and you're well in for a treat with some of the names we got coming. This week, we've got Neil Jones from the fantastic band Stone Foundation. I've known Neil for a while now, and it's great to catch up with him. I know you're going to enjoy this podcast. He's a fantastic bloke. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode three of Talking to Mod with Neil Jones. Enjoy. How are we doing? Magic. How are we, mate? All right? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good, mate. I was, uh, I was just getting the old Instagram manual out there and just trying to work out what's going on. Mate, let me tell you, the first one I did with uh, Darren Barker, the boxer, right? The, the connection was awful. Absolutely awful. So he went outside, he was at a bus station, and next thing you know, he's out somewhere else. He's like, mate, are you sure it's me? It might be your connection. I'm like, it's definitely not mine. Anyway, done it last week with another band. I've done it on the Thursday of a band. It was definitely my connection. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just like the old uh, one, like, you know, like when you're out, you're you trying to ring your mates and you're constantly blaming each other. It's not you, it's oh. me. It's, it's you, it's not me. You know uh, what I mean? <laughs> 100%, mate, 100%. But how are you? You all good? Yep. I'm really good, thanks, mate. I'm really good. Um, just getting a few things sorted for um, the last few gigs of the summer for us. We we don't usually play much in um, August because uh, most of the lads have a bit of a break then and go on their holidays. So we've got um, we're going down to Margate on Saturday, which will be quite interesting and, and quite nice to go down to the seaside. Um, playing a place called Oldbys, I've never played there before, and then. Um, and then on the last Friday of the month, I think it's the 28th, we'll get to Spain and we're playing a, a festival up in the north there. So uh, that should be really good as well. So, yeah, just been getting stuff ready for that, really. Beautiful. We're going to touch up a little bit more of them gigs in a minute. But just a quick one. If you go down to Margate, you've definitely got to check out the Libertines Hotel, the Albion Rooms. I think because it's my birthday weekend, I believe my missus has booked us into that very hotel, mate. Oh, good, good. Hey, listen, I'll phone ahead and I'll make sure they look after you. Cause I've done a few, done a few little shows there, and it's oh, it's pucker, mate. Honestly, good. I remember when we did, we played Margate uh, Winter Gardens when I supported the Libertines, and we went to this hotel, and they said, "Oh, we've just bought this." And I was looking at it, thinking, "Christ, this is going to take some work." Honestly, it yeah. was like a bomb hit it. Right. It was awful, right? And uh, went back there uh, probably about uh, two years after or something. You, you can't even recognise it. It's stunning. So you're going to have a lovely time there, mate. Is, it, is it a little bit like um, we used to stop at a hotel in Brighton called the Pellarocco? Yes. Which was uh, famously owned by, obviously, Ginger Mick, who everyone That's knows. Um, and that was a fantastic hotel. And I, I thought, I bet it's a bit like the Pellarocco. Spot on, mate. Exactly that. It is, it's just a beautiful vibe. Like, you'll love it, honestly. Yeah. Polar, uh, when we, I stayed in the hotel... Uh, the one in Brighton, they've got all the different themed rooms. We stayed in the mods one, me and the missus, and then we the next one we stayed in the rocket one. Oh, it, it, yeah, yeah, it's you've good. You've got to do both, haven't you? Got to yeah, do it's both. brilliant, mate. It's brilliant. Every every time we played Brighton, we used to stop in the Pellarocco, and it was such a, a brilliant hotel. So we we always used to chill out there after the gigs and the parties would go on till about three in the morning there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> they definitely did, mate. In there, I tell you. I mean, we, we haven't seen each other for a while. I think the last time I saw you was Greenwich. When yes, you that's right. Florida, it, was it? It, it was 2019 and we'd done all the Forest Tour with uh, with Paul. And then obviously we played 
we played Edinburgh Castle and then Greenwich as well with uh, with Paul on that gig. So it was um, uh, on that tour, sorry. So it was a fantastic tour. And I think uh, me and you were hobnobbing in the VIP bar. <laughs> we were. I remember being double parked with a couple of beers. This was in my drinking days. Thank God I'm sober now. But I remember being with you and looking in the photos and I've got like two beers in this hand and like a glass of Prosecco in the other. And I, think, I took my mum to that. It was my first time... Um, I introduced mum to Paul and that she's actually like been to a gig with me, really? so to speak. And uh, she loved it, absolutely loved it. But yeah, um, I don't know who let me in the VIP area, mate. <laughs> but I enjoyed myself. <laughs> but before we, before we get onto the band, mate, I want to know a little bit more about you for the people listening. So as a youngster, Neil, what sort of music were you listening to? Um, I was really listening to all sorts at the time. Um, my dad had a really extensive record collection, so I was quite fortunate. I was, you know, some days I was listening to Steely Dan. Other days he'd be playing like Led Zeppelin. Um, he was really into the average white bands. Um, obviously, he had all the staples on vinyl by the Beatles, you know, Sgt. Pepper's Revolver, which quickly became like sort of my favourite Beatles record when I was a kid growing up. I have very uh, fond memories of when my mum and dad used to go out when I was like 14, 15, I'd have my mates round and I'd be opening the front windows of our house uh, and blasting out Taxman at ear-splitting volumes. So everyone, everyone knew what kind of music I was into. That was really important for me to kind of let people know what I was into and what I was listening to, you know. Um, but yeah, he had a really big record collection and uh, I was really blessed in that sense as well. Uh, both my parents loved music. My granddad used to play the drums, bless him, he's no longer with us, my, my mom's dad. Um, so there was always a lot of music in the family. So that was a, a really kind of cool upbringing in that sense. That's a bit similar to me, to be honest. I mean, my mum and dad, my dad loved all sorts, hence, I mean, my little son, I call him Lonnie after Lonnie Donegan. So I was heavily influenced on Skiffle. And then my mum loved the Northern Soul, mod, two-tones, everything. So I, my, yeah. my wide range of music goes from anything. And I say, if it's good, I'll listen to it. Yeah. You know, if, if it's... Absolutely. It's really... I mean, you know, there's only two kinds of music, really, isn't there? There's good and bad. And like, you know... Um, you know, I know there's all these different genres and everything, but you know, music can touch you. It doesn't matter what style it is. If it's re if it's produced really well, um, if there's great lyrics, great content in a song, then it it, it hits your heartstrings every time. So, it's um, yeah, I've I've really grown up with a really eclectic taste. To be honest, quite fortunate in that respect. So, um, yeah, that that sort of mirrors what I'm listening to. These days, I mean, I'm looking at a pile of records over there that I've just been playing today, and I've been going from, like, new bands like Salt, which are really incredible bands that are out at the moment. Uh, I'm listening to, like, early sort of mid-'70s stuff by a band called Brass Construction. Um, and then, like, the, the Ground Dogs bands like that, real, like, heavy guitar bands and stuff. But, you know, if it's good music, it's good music, and it's worth listening to. Exactly. No, I 100% agree with you there. So you listed off a few albums you're looking at at the moment. Uh, do you remember your first album you ever bought yourself? Yeah, uh, 
the first one I actually went to the shops to buy was uh, Three is the Magic Number by Della Soul. And on the flip side of that was a tune called Buddy, which they did a remix of. Um, and that was that was the first ever 45 I ever bought. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just amazing, really. I, I, and that sort of hooked me into, into buying vinyl uh, and getting into my vinyl records. You, you can't be vinyl i mean i'm still like a kid in a sweet shop whenever i find a new vinyl shop wherever i am it's honestly it's amazing uh if you, i'll take norwich you've been to norwich a few times um norwich yeah i've been to we, we play norwich every year we, 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 usually, we usually play at the waterfront there which is a great venue i think there's the one uh studio i can't think of something studio norwich um they film studio they do a lot of filming in there and that and played there with the brian jonestown and i went went for a, a little walk about and um i found this really cool record shop and and uh he had this one lonnie donegan like hidden up the top i was like oh, brilliant mate oh it's not to <laughs> find any of this next thing you know he's pulled out another 10 from behind the counter somewhere yeah. like mate we breathe i was like oh, oh well we well we we were quite fortunate growing up so i grew up in the tamworth area um but we used to go a lot to uh, birmingham um yeah. and the record shop the go-to record shop uh, was always Swordfish Records, um, and that the guys in there, uh, there was one guy in particular that worked in there, I think his name was Peter, can't remember exactly, but he his knowledge of records was second to none. And I remember I had this really obscure record by a band called the Keith Hartley Bands that my dad had when I was growing up. Um, it was called Battle of the Northwest Six. If you've never heard that record, check it out. It's a phenomenal record. Um, and I went in there thinking I was a clever, like, teenage kid and I was going to catch him out. And then he listed everyone that played on it, how long they'd been around, what the bands were they'd come from. And I was like, wow, this guy knows his stuff. And we used to spend lots of uh, afternoons in Swordfish Records in Birmingham. That was, uh, that was kind of the go-to place when you were sort of growing up around Birmingham anyway. Brilliant. Man, you mentioned about that. So, did you used to, obviously you've loved music and it's always played such a key role in your life? But what about gigs? What do you remember the first gig you ever attended? Oh, oh God, that's a that's a good idea. Uh, I'm trying to think about that now. It's a good question. Sorry. Um, I mean, there was lots and lots of gigs at the time. I remember I was I was I was sort of finding my way gig wise. I, I remember I was into like sort of bands like the Counting Crows and stuff like that. But I guess one of the early memories and one of the bands that I was really into was uh, Crowded House. And I used to go and watch them a lot when they first came out. And that would have probably been on their sort of Temple of Low Men tour or just before Woodface came out, that record. And I remember going to watch them in London. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the theatre now. But, um, yeah, I was really into them. I was obviously massively into Weller when I was a kid. I remember my dad used to take me a lot to see Paul um, before like, I sort of had the uh, option of going on my own, you know, when you're about 16, 17. Um, so I remember seeing Paul a lot at that time and we'd go to like places like um, Aston Villa Leisure Centre um, and see him. I was really into OCS as well, Ocean Colour Scene. So it's kind of quite cool how like, you know, Paul and, and Steve Craddock and people like that have become like mates over the years because I was massively influenced by those guys. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a bit of, I, 
I remember kind of finding my way a little bit uh, gig-wise when I was younger. Um, I, I mean, I was really massively into hip-hop when I was a kid. But a lot of those gigs, I was just too young to attend them at the time. You know, a lot of the gigs that were on at the Hummingbird in Birmingham and stuff like that, when Public Enemy came around and, and bands like that, I was just a little bit too young to go, even though I was blasting those records out in my in my bedroom, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, that, those are sort of the early memories of, of gigs anyway. Brilliant, brilliant. So some names there. And I mean, you mentioned a little bit about Paul there and we're, we're going to touch up on him in a minute because um, he's someone who I know has played a, um, a, a key role in, in your career, if you wouldn't mind me saying. And not only that, he's also played one in mine. And um, it'd be nice to talk about the great man because he, he's just just a lovely person. I mean, um, I remember uh, I went to a, one, of the, one of the first gigs I ever went to see was Bad Manners. But after that, uh, I went and saw Paul Weller at Brighton and um, never in a million years, similar to probably yourself, Neil, did you ever think that paths would cross and you'd end up getting involved in doing stuff with him? I mean, what, what a lovely thing life is. It can really surprise you. And it, I'm going to use the word, sometimes it can be magic. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think we kind of, uh, when we started the band, we never really envisaged that we work with half the people that we work with. We just like... We're just massively into the music and we just wanted to keep like writing songs, progressing the sound of the band. Um, and, you know, as luck would have it, as the years rolled on, we just started to work with, I mean, the, the first people we worked with were like these, um, what you would class as sort of Northern soul legends. So we worked with people like Nolan Porter, um, we worked with a guy called Joe Harris, who was in the Motown band, The Undisputed Truth. He was also in a, a band called The Fabulous Peps. Um, and then we worked with a guy called Steve Calloway. And Steve was probably the first person that we sort of got hooked up with, so to speak. These guys used to come over, do these PA gigs. Um, and we, uh, we got asked one time, rather than them actually singing to a backing track, would they, would, he be, would they be interested in the band playing with these guys, you know? So we learnt their sets. Um, and Steve Calloway, unfortunately, I've heard last week, passed away last week, for, um, which is just dreadful news. But Steve was like the first one that really taught us about sort of stagecraft and how to sort of um, use that art form to sort of uh, get in touch with your audience while you were playing, you know. Steve was incredible. I remember we did these two gigs with him. One was in Leamington, and he used to do a thing where he wouldn't tell us what he was going to wear. So we would all go and get dressed in our dressing rooms, and Steve would go to his dressing room. And on the night, the first night we played with him was Leamington Spa, and Steve came out onto the stage, and he was wearing this incredible... Um, like round neck collared suits, just all sparkles and everything. He looked amazing. And then it was the night Michael Jackson died. I remember it really well. Halfway through, he just pulls out this glove, got this white glove on, and he just start, starts shouting at the top of his voice, Michael Jackson, Michael fucking Jackson, like this at the top of his voice. And we were all like, wow. <laughs> and then the second night that we played with him was... Um, Oh, God, where was it? It was in Gloucester. I think it was in a place called Gloucester. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the place now. It was a nor another Northern Soul night. And he never told us what he was going to wear. And he came on stage dressed as Zorro. 
and he had a mask on and everything. <laughs> and it's, it's like mental, really. But we had, we had these amazing times with Steve and he taught us so much. Um, and then obviously from Steve, we ended up working with um, Nolan Porter, who a lot of people I know know Nolan really well. He's no longer with us as well. We're losing so many good people at the moment. Um, and then we just started working with all these different artists that um, sort of gravitated towards us. And the first time we were actually at Black Barn was recording with Carlene Anderson. Um, and we didn't see Paul the first time we were there. We just recorded Carlene's voice onto one of our songs um, and uh, got to work with Charles for the first time at Black Barn and everything kind of just grew from there, really. It's beautiful. Black Barn, I've, I've tried to explain it to people from the outside, but whenever you go there, there's a real sense of like something special is happening in it. I, I always say it, I don't know what it is, but it's just good vibes, good vibes yeah. around there. And uh, everyone in there is just such a lovely, caring person. And there's always a good laugh and uh, there's always good food as well. Normally a curry. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it, it, it's a bit of a running joke, you know, whenever Paul says, uh, we're going to get a curry tonight, lads, everyone kind of goes, it's one awards, you know, it's one awards. I... <laughs> it's either that or fish yeah. and chips, isn't it? Tonight, yeah. think, but oh, I've got a story. I, I, I won't tell you a story about the fish and chip shop there because it's probably not appropriate. <laughs> but um, yeah, the uh, Send fish and chip shop, we uh, ended up going there one night. And we were quite uh, inebriated. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I, I can put the puzzles together. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. But I mean, you, Neil, it must be like a dream come true for you. You know, you have worked with some fantastic artists. You've just mentioned a few. And I, I actually wrote down a couple of names myself. I mean, for instance, Mick Tolbert, you know, uh, Paul Weller, of course, and Steve White, you know, well-respected musicians who not only love and support your work and the band's work, but also join you live on stage and have been in your your songs themselves i mean that must be incredible mate yeah that well to be honest that like i say i would never have imagined that we'd work with people like that and um i think like for all the years of hard work when we've not kind of we've got like this really wonderful following of, of people that follow the band and really get into the band and and that grows year upon year as they spread the word um and you know that's amazing but the really big sort of stamp of approval always comes from someone who you grew up listening to their records and like when those guys say i'll play or sing with you that is like the biggest uh compliment anyone could give you really especially like people like mick like steve like paul like people like graham parker uh dr robert at the blow monkeys all these people it's a massive massive uh stamp of approval from them that they dig what you do and they're really into the music and that's all we try and do really you just try and make good music and hopefully these people kind of gravitate to us and I mean, we've always had the, the sort of kind of um, work ethic in our head, a bit like that Steely Dan uh, vibe, the way those guys set the band up, where if like we feel someone could do a great job on a saxophone here or maybe a percussionist there or vocal-wise, you know, all the vocalists we work with, if we can hear a different kind of flavour, um, then we'll, we'll, we'll just go, well, what about that person? Or what about Melba Moore or William Bell or these people that we've played with and, and sang on our records? 
we just think, let's just ask them. And they'll only say, they'll either say yes or no. And thankfully, probably I'd say about 80% of the time, these people have said yes. And they've worked with us. And that's been the most um, rewarding thing of all, I think, in, in the 25 years we've been together, is that some of our heroes and the people that I grew up idolising in my record collection ended up singing and playing with us. And, and it, like I say, it, it still feels like we've got, tons more in our legs so to speak on this journey um it doesn't feel completed at all really we've just got it feels almost sometimes it feels like we just got started so we we're hungry to carry on making music all the time that's that's amazing to hear i love hearing that and you have got such a good loyal fan base as well it really is they love everything you do and i think that's that that makes such a big difference as well I mean, of course, there's the fan bases, they either love you or hate you, do you yeah. know what I mean? But it seems like since I've first seen you, the fan base you've got certainly has like what you just touched off and it's gone from strength to strength. And uh, that's a credit to you and everyone in the band's work and dedication. Thanks, so keep well, that we, up, mate. Try, um, we're trying, we're always trying. <laughs> that's all we can do, isn't it, in this yeah. world? You know, life, life's hard enough. Um, people like me and you, we just try and put a little bit of enjoyment in people's lives. If people love it, then that's a bonus for us. But we also do it because we exactly, love it as well. Exactly right, man. You've just got to, you've got to do what you believe in and um, and just keep keep trying as hard as you can to put stuff out that you really believe in. And then hopefully these things will just like happen and the hard work gets paid off. It doesn't always happen that way. And there's times when you just think, oh, surely, you know, I, I remember when... Um, we brought out uh, street rituals and um, two people who were who were bookers basically for Jules Holland came along to watch us play in London and they absolutely loved the gig and we I honestly thought that I, I had I had dreams in my head that Limit of a Man would be on Jules Holland and we'd be playing that song and I honestly thought that was going to happen but it didn't and it, and it's like when you have things like that I remember we got put onto like a reserve list for the show or something. Um, but that never happened, but you just kind of pick yourself up and you just go again because you're doing what you love and you're doing what you believe in and that's the most important thing. And then, you know, the next thing that happens is you might end up working with like someone like Melbourne Moore or uh, Betty Lovett or whoever and something wonderful happens to outbalance the thing that you thought, shit, I really wanted that thing to happen. But, you know, you just keep making these opportunities, don't you? You know, that's all you have to keep doing. Just keep making opportunities and eventually they'll end up paying off and that's all you can do, really. 100%, 100%. I, I couldn't agree more. And like I said, you, you knock on enough doors, one of them's going to cave in and you're going to get through to the other side. Similar to what you just said, um, you know, one thing may, you may miss one opportunity, but then something else comes. I had a few things lined up in January, uh, at the end of January, and for one reason or another, the, the promoter pulled out of these, and I was in a real, like, oh, God, like, I need to get back out there. I need to do something. Next thing you know, Anton from Brian Jonestown Massacre calls me and says, do you want to come on our full UK and Ireland tour? And I'm like, hang about. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Like you said, one door shuts, another one opens. I'm yeah. a strong believer in just be, be your biggest fan as well. You know, if you go out there, and I know you do, because I've seen you perform many a times, and you love what you do. Similar to Paul, you, you just got the energy where, like, this is me. I'm loving everything I do. And you keep on having the same energy, no matter if you're performing in front of 20 people, 50 people, 2,000 people, 5,000 people, you always give the same show. And, and that's, that's a great thing to have as well. That's, that's, you... 
massively important. I think like um, one of the bands that I was brought up on when I was young, like my dad was a big Springsteen fan, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think I think those early Springsteen albums in particular, like The Wild, The Innocent, The E Street Shuffle and um, uh, Born to Run, um, uh, you know, Darkness on the Edge of Town, all them records, they really sort of got into me as, as as like a teenager growing up and when I saw footage of that band and now uh, they always looked like a gang and they were together and they were a unit and the way that they played and everyone had this kind of identity and this and they always kept putting out all the time throughout the show and I think it's so important that when you start playing music when you go on stage you should treat it like it's the last time you're ever going to be on a stage because even if, like you say, even if there's a handful of people in the crowd or when we play the big, you know, we played some big summer shows this year to five, 6,000 people supporting Madness and Jamiroquai and bands like that, you've still got to put out the same energy level because those people have paid money to come and see you. And like, especially in this day and age, and tickets aren't that cheap. I mean, we try and make our tickets as cheap as we can, along with our records, because... We'd, we'd hate ever to rip people off, but you've got to give people as much of yourself as you can, I think, in that hour and a half, two hour period when you're on stage. And and also as well, if you can't enjoy playing music and, and singing songs and, and, and getting moved by this incredible art form, then uh, you, you're in the wrong game, really. 100%. Aren't you? 100%. You've listed off some great names that you've supported. I was going to come on to that. I mean... Mate, let, let, let's talk about some of the names you've been supporting with the band, mate. I mean, and, and some of the incredible venues as well. I mean, Christ. Yeah. Yeah, the Forest Tours were amazing. Um, I mean, like, you know, this, obviously we've got our 25th anniversary this year. So we brought out our 25th anniversary yeah. record, which I think if anyone's watching now who's never sort of heard Stone Foundation in the past, uh, it's a perfect like entry point for them because it kind of um, really takes in the length and breadth of our sort of career in a way um, and gives you a little bit of a flavour of everything that we've kind of done. Um, and yeah, just it's, it's sort of given us time to actually take stock and look back at what we've achieved over the last 25 years because we don't tend to do that in this band. We're always looking forward for the next thing or the next like... Uh, not hurdle, but the next kind of adventure or the next progression with the band going forwards. Um, so, yeah, it has given us time to look back and also given us time to actually think about some of the things we've done. I mean, like playing Fuji Rock Festival in Japan was nuts. I mean, it was absolutely like nuts. We were, That was one of my sort of highlights when I, I thought back, you know, going on stage and we opened up a stage in front of 8,000 people in this forest in, in Japan, which was like crazy um bumping into like john bradbury bless his soul who's not long no longer with us along obviously with terry as well those guys have gone now yeah. the specials um and who'd have thought that in 2010 john bradbury would have walked into a bar the fiddler's elbow in kentish town um he'd heard about our band seen some stuff on youtube um, got my number and then a week later he was calling us to go on the arena tour with the specials which was like crazy you know um, things like that that really stick in the heads and places we've played and, and the things that we've done you know supporting Paul at the Royal Albert Hall and places like that just 
like nut stuff really that sort of probably the 19 year old me would have thought was probably just pie in the sky um but like you say if you can just keep going and you believe in yourself uh, which is the most important thing and what you're doing and you and if you believe that it's good then you shouldn't really let anything stand in your way you should be able to smash through any kind of barrier to get to get to where you need to be 100 percent, 100 percent. now i've got a couple more questions before i let you go neil but i do you remember i've just had this thought in my head do you remember when I was, we did, I can't think, we're both on the same lineup in Brighton, I think. You were headlining, do you remember? And didn't someone run over the cable? Do you remember? Oh, oh God, yeah. Do you remember? It's just, that, just that, come to my head. That was actually... Um, Littlehampton? That, no, uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. It was at a rugby club or something. That's it. In Brighton. Where have rugby club? Um, yeah, and somebody drove over the power cable, which hadn't been buried in the back of the stage so we're obviously playing on a big stage and we were really fortunate at that uh gig that nobody sort of suffered any big injuries because i remember as that vehicle got reversed through that power cable um turning round and my amp blew up and i saw like smoke coming out the back of ian's leslie speaker and it was just carnage that like literally killed all the power was killed on the stage and all you saw was little bits of smoke and, you know, flashes from our amps. And obviously uh, what followed was we had to sort out, we had thousands of pounds worth of damage to amps, which we had to sort out, which was really, yeah. really annoying at the time. Uh, but thankfully we were all okay. But that's, that's, that was a bizarre incident. Yeah, I was, trying, I was trying to forget about that, Ben. <laughs> sorry mate sorry mate listen i cut that bit out but i just remember talking about it. i was like oh shit i remember that like yeah sorry mate but it's no, one of them things you can sort of look back on it now and go well that could have been 10 times worse yeah, than yeah. it actually was do you know what i, I remember mean? that as well because they had a big screen at the back of the stage That's and everyone just watched england in the euros i think yeah um and um yeah it was a really strange strange event but um thankfully like you say yeah. no got injured he i remember they got me on it and they wanted me i think it was two days i'm sure it was something like friday and saturday and on the saturday england were playing if my memory serves me right i can't quite remember i remember it was like right i warmed the crowd up and that and then i went out there and i started talking no one's listening i'm like mate i don't even think he's turned the fucking mic on it yeah. and he's like oh yeah hang on mate let me do it <laughs> You know what I mean? You should have uh, you should have packed your bags and gone then. <laughs> well, to be fair, I went too far off it there, mate, I tell you. Yeah. But, Neil, I mean, honestly, I've really enjoyed this and I hope you have too. But let's tell, what's, what's, what's coming up in the next five years for um, you guys? I mean, I've seen well, you've got European tour dates coming out. And I mean, the new album that you've just mentioned, I've listened to it. That, that's the little boy in the background saying, All Daddy, right, through. <laughs> I've listened to the album and I strongly advise anyone listening to this now and when it's out on Spotify and all good other streaming services to listen to it because it is incredible, mate. And I, I'm not just saying it because I'm well, that, 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 It, it means brilliant. a lot. The reaction that we've had to it really means a lot. The people that follow the bands are amazing. We love the fact that they're constantly like passing on um, their love of the band to other new people. So there's always new people coming to see us all the time. You know, we we kind of um, lovingly refer to it as the Stone Foundation family. That Brilliant. you know, it just keeps getting a little bit bigger each year. 
Um, our gigs, as you know, are just full of like like-minded people that come to the gig to hear the music that they kind of love, to feel uplifted, to feel that kind of um, to get that escapism for a couple of hours, really. With you know, what we try and do with our music is make music that's got a positive outlook and a, a positive vibe to it. Uh, so that when people leave our gigs, they generally do feel like they've been uplifted in some way. And I think that's really, really important with music, um, especially in this day and age where there's so much crap and shit going on in the world. Um, I think it's uh, really important to have those positive vibrations um, uh, in music, especially. Um, as, as regards what's coming up, we've got um, two more dates in July. Um, as I say, one at a festival in Spain and one down in Margate. Down to Margate. See the old Dave. So we're going down there. So that's going to be good. Um, and then in September, um, oh, I think I've got one acoustic gig in August up in Edinburgh, which would be nice. Beautiful. And then um, September, we go to Europe. So we're going back to Europe. We're doing a nine-day tour in Europe. We go all, all around Germany. Uh, we support Paul Weller in Milan. Um, and then we do two dates in Holland. Um, and then October, November, we do like a massive tour in the UK, which finishes with two big dates at Islington Assembly Hall. So um, we're doing back-to-back -back nights there. That, that place holds about a thousand people. So um, to be doing two nights there is quite a big thing for us. So um, I think that'll be really cool. We've got a lovely support there, a girl called Emily Capel, who's a great musician, yes, yes. really lovely, em Emily. Um, and we've also got Robert Elms DJing on those nights uh, from BBC London. And uh, we'll have some guests as well, which we'll be announcing in the coming weeks. And as you know, Paul sometimes appears at those gigs and uh, Graham Parker and people like that. So who knows who's going to turn up this time. But we're just really excited about getting out and playing and celebrating 25 years. Um, I'm still waiting for my carriage clock. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yes, mate. Love that. Honestly, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for you guys because it's been uh, I really enjoyed watching you, as I said uh, earlier on in the interview, just just growing and growing, mate. And honestly, you, you're just a fantastic bunch of lads. I'm not just saying it, as I said, because um, I only have people on this who I really enjoy their, their work and get along with. I and uh, it's just appreciated, mate. Brilliant. No, thanks, thanks to all the people who have been commented as well. I, I'd, um, I saw someone put Mr. Magic and Mr. Soul. I'm having that. I'm having a bit of that, mate. Well, listen, I'm still after that support slot with your boys, all right? So you let me know. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, do, the, uh, we'll do the fiddler's elbow. Uh, <laughs> at the back. Yeah, no, that was, that was that was always a great venue. In fairness, that was a good crack. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear. You. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I've got Got you, mate. Um, uh, when we played the Fiddler's Elbow, we actually had also another band, and there was a guy on, um, and he was a comedian. So we, so we did that that time round. So you never know; we might have a bit of magic before uh, a gig. <laughs> Everyone needs a bit of magic in their life, mate. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm waiting for uh, a video of uh, some sleight of hand. So next time you got to, uh, we're, we're together. You can, uh, you can try it on me. I'm very, very gullible. <laughs> I, I can tell. 
I remember, as I said, I remember doing a couple of one-liners on you in Greenwich, and I was like, oh, he's my sort of audience, this one here. <laughs> oh, no, I'll, I'll just be amazed by it all, mate. I won't try and look for how you've done it at all. <laughs> mate, honestly, well, I've... I've honestly really enjoyed talking to you and catching up with you, mate. It's been long overdue, and no, I, I really appreciate your time. Um, sorry if I've run over a bit longer than expected, but I mean, it was we were always going to just end up chatting. I had a few questions, but you know what? It was just a great chat, and I really hope you enjoyed no, it, mate, because I have. Nice one, mate. Well, I hope everyone can catch us um, on the tour this year. Um, all our tickets are on stonefoundation.co.uk, so check it out. And uh, I'll put a link. I'll put a link to your yeah. website and the new cool. album on the uh, when it's up on the platforms. I'll make sure the guy puts the link there. For nice you now, all right, I'll get that. Sorted now go out. and uh, go and sort the baby out. He sounded like he was crying a minute ago. He's been watching. He's been. I don't know if he's been watching a Sex Pistols documentary or something. But he's smashing the bass up out there. <laughs> yeah, either, either that or he sounded a little bit Little Richard to me. I thought he, he I'd go out there and his mum would be like, "God, that was about three hours long. It's only about half an hour." That's, that's, that's my problem. I talk too much, but yeah, th thanks oh, for thanks it. for the chat. It's been enjoyable. Thanks to everyone who's had a had a little listening as well, and uh, I look forward to seeing everyone on the twenty fifth anniversary tour. And I look forward to seeing you soon, mate. Thank you very much for your time. And um, thanks for everyone who listened. And uh, I look forward to the next guest. But Neil, thank you so much for joining me tonight. And thank you for, I've said thank you about 20 times then, didn't I? I'm, I'm too polite. I'm like my <laughs> Thank <mom>. you very <laughs> much. <laughs> very, very, very much. Neil, I'm going to love you and leave. Cheers, mate. But thank you again. I'll see, see you, you later. soon. God bless you. Adios. Bye bye. Adios. Everything's work, I sell the man, we'll flick the wrist and it's gone.